so far if you're on Facebook make sure to hit the share button and if you're on YouTube make sure to hit the subscribe button now let us get ready for the Word of God being brought forth by my grandfather dr. Kevin B Hall be blessed
back in time. Despite this stormy weather, we come to praise your name. Speak through us that you may speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was baptized and acknowledged my call to preach in the 70s under one of the most loved and influential pastors in San Francisco. Reverend J.A. Morgan was a soul-stirring preacher. Even though his education was shallow, as a pastor, he organized and led one of the largest churches in San Francisco. At the age of 17, I remember sitting down with him discussing my divine call to preach. Many times we talked while eating at his kitchen table. Uh, he could really make some delicious greens and hot water cornbread. <laughs> I will forever cherish the numerous occasions that I had a talk with him. Having a talk with my former pastor who is now in glory was great. But having a talk with Jesus is even greater. Today we are embarking on part five of our sermonic series entitled, A Talk with Jesus. In part one, we highlighted Nicodemus who had a talk with Jesus about being born again, which is recorded in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. In part two, we highlighted the Samaritan woman who had a talk with Jesus, which is recorded in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. In part three, we highlighted the nobleman who had a talk with Jesus about healing his son, which is recorded in John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. In part 4, we highlighted the man at the pool of Bethesda who had a talk with Jesus about being made whole, which is recorded in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Today, we are highlighting in part 5 the 12 disciples who had a talk with Jesus about the identity of Christ, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18. Uh, let's take a journey through Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, which I think is such a um, befitting text 
considering today we're celebrating our church anniversary. In Matthew chapter 16, 16 verses 13 through 18, again, a, an appropriate text. Verse 13, it reads, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Be mindful that uh, the coast of Caesarea Philippi needs to be interpreted. There were two cities in Judea which were called Caesarea. Uh, one was situated on the borders of the Mediterranean. The other was situated near Mount Lebanon, the northern part of Judea. The latter one was distinguished as Caesarea Philippi because Philip the Tetrarch rebuilt it and beautified it. When we look at verse 13, we see where Jesus asked his disciples a question, whom do men say that I the son of man am? Uh, this was not the result of Jesus experiencing an identity crisis or an identity unawareness. Uh, this was not even a rhetorical question. Jesus raised this question for the purpose of discussion. And uh, when he asked his disciples this question, he, was, he heard various answers. For we notice in verse 14 where some said uh, that he was John the Baptist, who was a relative of Jesus. Uh, some said that he was Elias, which is a Greek way of saying Elijah. Uh, some say that he was uh, Jeremiah. And then some say that he was one of the prophets. Uh, then Jesus addressed the disciples more directly when he asked them in verse 15, uh, but whom say ye that I am? Uh, he's moving from general to specific because in verse 13, when he says, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And be mindful that Jesus was known as the son of God, which denoted his deity, but also the son of man, which denoted his humanity. Uh, for Jesus to recognize or refer to himself as the son of man, uh, it implied uh, uh, how meek and lonely he was uh, taking the humble approach. But now from general to specific in verse 15, uh, he's asking the disciples, I need to know what are you saying about me? It's in verse 16 where we notice that uh, Simon Peter took it upon himself to answer for uh, the other 11 disciples. Uh, be mindful that so often uh, Peter did function as the spokesman, even though he was never appointed to be the spokesman. He's, I guess we could say, the self-appointed spokesman of the uh, disciples. When Jesus called him to discipleship, Jesus never uh, gave him the role or the responsibility to speak for others. But uh, we see him doing this again in verse 16. And and we see also in verse 16 that what he's going to say about Jesus was very uh, accurate. 
from verse 16, it says, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, he recognized uh, Jesus in a twofold manner. Number one, the Christ, and then number two, the Son of the living God. Now be mindful, when he said the Christ, that was very significant because the word Christ, which uh, derives from the Greek word Christos, it means the anointed one. Uh, the word Christ is also synonymous with uh, that uh, Old Testament Hebrew word, Messiah. Uh, so the word Messiah and the word Christ, they are synonymous. They both mean the anointed one. Uh, the significance of Peter saying, Thou art the Christ, is that Peter is acknowledging that Jesus uh, is the Messiah. The reason why I say that's significant because uh, uh, in the days of the Old Testament, there were many who prophesied the coming of the Messiah. Uh, it's significant also because in the days of the New Testament, there were many who failed to recognize that Jesus uh, is the Messiah. Significant also because even in this day, there are some people who are still waiting on the Messiah to come, not recognizing that uh, he was already here some 2,000 years ago. Can I teach up in here? Uh, so uh, Peter recognizes Jesus uh, as the Christ, uh, uh, but he also recognized him as the son of the living God. And that denotes, again, his deity. Remember, again, uh, Jesus, uh, back in verse 13, asked, uh, uh, what are men saying about uh, the Son of Man? And uh, here Peter is taking it to another level by saying, you're not only just the Son of Man, but you're also the Son of the living God. And we appreciate uh, how Peter modified uh, God by saying the living God because unfortunately uh, some have uh, made the mistake of serving a dead God. But the great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is uh, the living God. We are experiencing the uh, uh, rain descending on this day and each day uh, in the last week because uh, God is uh, the living God. In fact, the matter, you and I are alive today because God is uh, the living God. So let me just say on this uh, stormy Sunday morning, uh, uh, since uh, he is the living God, let's give him a living praise. <laughs> so Peter, uh, correctly and precisely, uh, declares that uh, Jesus is the Christ and the son of the living God. Uh, in response, verse 17, uh, Jesus uh, answered and said uh, to Peter, uh, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not, hath not revealed it unto thee, but uh, my Father which is in heaven. Uh, basically, Jesus is saying to Peter that, Peter, I don't want you to get beside yourself because you have really made a very precise statement very correct about who I am, but you do need to recognize that uh, this did not come from you. 
you were able to say this correctly because uh, God the Father revealed it to you. Uh, it's interesting how Jesus is uh, commending uh, Peter in verse 17, but in verses 22 to 23, he later had to rebuke him. Uh, seemed like that's the nature of the beast. Sometimes when we're at our best, we can quickly become at our worst. Uh, it's in verse 18, which is um, our concluding verse for our sermon today, where it reads, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, notice how uh, Jesus now identifies who Peter is. Peter identified who Jesus was earlier. Now Jesus is telling Peter who he is when Jesus said, Thou art Peter. Bible readers, be mindful that the word Peter itself, uh, uh, it means, uh, well, Peter itself derives from the Greek word petros, and that word petros means a stone. It means a piece of a rock. And that's significant because uh, Jesus is telling Peter that Peter, even though you correctly said something, you are really just a small rock. For upon a larger rock, I'm going to build my church. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, this is very significant because I believe it has uh, uh, some general applications for us today, especially those of us who are in positions of uh, leadership. Uh, uh, Jesus was reminding Peter that, uh, yes, you're significant on one hand, but I need to let you also, also see your insignificance. Uh, Jesus had to remind Peter, as I said, you're just a little rock, and, and that's exactly uh, uh, how all of us who are to Peter, uh, uh, that thou art Peter, and then he makes a statement that uh, gives us something to build on concerning um, uh, the church. He says, upon this rock I will build my church. Now, Bible readers, a lot of people are not clear in their understanding about Jesus' meaning of this rock. He says, upon this rock, uh, there are Catholics who believe that when Jesus said upon this rock uh, that he was referring to Peter. And that's why a lot of uh, Catholics are of the belief that Peter was the first pope of the church. Of course, most of us, like myself, are not of the belief that when Jesus said upon this rock, he was saying that uh, the church is built on Peter. Uh, there are many, and when I say many, this includes uh, a lot of Baptists uh, who are the, of the belief that when Jesus said upon this rock, uh, this rock has reference to uh, Peter's confession. 
And we say Peter's confession, his confession, again, is right there in verse 16 when he said, Thou art the Christ, uh, the Son of the living God. The fact that Peter was acknowledging exactly who Christ is, which is what we must do in order to be a part of the church because the church is the body of Christ. So there are some who are of the belief that when Jesus said upon this rock, he was saying upon uh, a confession like Peter, uh, I'm going to build my church. Uh, and, and then there's a traditional belief, which I think I fall in line with, uh, not saying that I'm a traditionalist. Uh, uh, you have belief number one, uh, which is Peter. Uh, belief number two, which is Peter's confession. Uh, belief number three is uh, that the rock, when Jesus said, upon this rock, that he was referring to himself. And, and the reason why I, I'm very uh, of the belief on that one, not that I negate the second one, uh, but I'm, I'm with that one, uh, which is a traditional belief that the rock is referring to Jesus because it's in alignment with other scriptures uh, that teaches that Jesus is the foundation, Jesus is the headstone, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, so I, I see here what Jesus is teaching about the church and uh, he's making it clear that upon this rock, he says, now notice these personal pronouns. He says, uh, I will build. And, and then he says, uh, my church. Uh, I, I like to begin with that first one when he says, I will build because uh, Jesus is the only one who can build a church. Uh, he uses people uh, pastors, leaders uh, to build, but he's working through them. Uh, he's the builder of the church. Uh, he says, I will build, and then look at that second pronoun. He says, my church. Uh, that uh, you, you want to highlight my because my, uh, it denotes possession. Uh, my, it makes it very clear who the church belongs to. And, you know, so often we make the mistake of referring to a church as belonging or even affiliated with an individual such as the pastor. I've had some people even say to me when they refer to St. John, they'll say uh, St. John of Rich Richmond, you know, that's Kevin Hall's church. And, and some of them, when I encounter these individuals, I will correct them and I'll make it clear that, uh, no, St. John is not Pastor Kevin Hall's church, St. John, is the Lord's church, and it happens to be the church that I'm the pastor of. <laughs> Somebody shout out, teach pastor. So Jesus is making it clear that the church belongs uh, to him, for the church is uh, uh, present tense, the body of Christ, future tense, uh, the bride of Christ. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, and then he says something in the B portion that we need to also recognize, and that's when he says uh, that the gates of hell shall not 
prevail against it. Uh, when he said the gates of hell, that word hell derives, uh, uh, really is to be interpreted as Hades. Uh, we're dealing with uh, what was then the underworld for those who had departed, uh, yes, uh, in death. And Jesus is basically making it clear that uh, concerning his church, uh, there is no one, there is nothing that's so tough, so awesome, uh, uh, that can overpower his church. Uh, if you've understood the teaching so far, show it by giving God some praise. After Jesus confirmed that Peter correctly identified him, Jesus told his disciples that uh, he will build his church upon a rock. And, and this leads me into uh, the key idea for today's message, which is a church built upon a rock is noble. Everybody repeat those words. A church built upon a rock is noble. Go ahead and give God some praise for that. Uh, what is noble about a church built upon a rock? First of all, and I think I can work through these pretty rapidly, a church built upon a rock will love. And if you stay with me, I think I can quickly move from love to lead and then from lead to last. But first of all, and I want to move quickly with this, a church built upon a rock will love. Everybody say love. Obviously, we're not talking about uh, eros love and not even necessarily talking about phileo, more so talking about an agape love. We must love God. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 in your Bible, you, it reads, uh, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God, how? With all thy heart. And with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is uh, the first commandment. So we must love God. Everybody repeat, we must love God. Moreover, we must love ourselves. And I know you're expecting me to go to one another, and that's next, but I need to go next ourselves. Uh, we cannot love others if we do not love God and ourselves. The reason why a lot of people fail to love one another because they don't love themselves. Mark chapter 12 verse 31. Earlier I did verse 30. This time verse 31 it says, and the second is like namely this, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus, uh, I mean, it's clear with Jesus that people are supposed to love themselves. I'm, I'm not saying be stuck on yourself, <laughs> but we are supposed to love ourselves. And there's none other commandment greater than these. Love God. Love ourselves. Everybody say we must love ourselves. Well, here's the third one. We must love one another. Loving one another is a major indicator of being born again. There's a lot of people who will tell you different things as to what it means to be born again. What signs uh, indicate that you're born again? Well, I'm stating loving one another is a major indicator 
of being born again. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Jesus is teaching in John 13 and 35 that a sign that we are his is how we love each other. Loving one another is a missing ingredient in many of our churches. And that sounds ironic because a church should be full of love. But in many cases, it's absent. How can the church love unsaved folk when often we do not love other saved folk? Go ahead and give God a hand of praise. <laughs> Secondly, a church built upon a rock will lead, L-E-A-D. Everybody say lead. This world is in dire need of leadership. And by leadership, I'm not talking about political leadership. The leadership I am referring to is divine. The church is a vehicle that God desires to work through to lead the world according to righteousness. God expects people whom he exalts to take the lead. Look at your neighbor right now and say, God wants us to take the lead. Well, St. John has, hear this, God has blessed us God has exalted us more so than the average church, especially in California. God expects us to take the lead here in Richmond, especially in this community. It's no coincidence that God is with the St. John Missionary Baptist Church in Richmond, California. And while you're clapping your hands, go ahead and praise them some more for being part of the, a good church. Thirdly, I'm going to try to work my conclusion into this third point. A church built upon a rock will last. Everybody say last. A lot of churches, I hear you, baby. <laughs> a lot of churches do not last because they are not built upon a rock. Obviously, St. John is built upon a rock. I don't know of too many churches, if any, that have been through what this church went through, and that was prior to me becoming a pastor. And not only rebound, but flourish again. Go ahead. And that's only because the hand of the Lord is on this church. When a church is built upon a rock, that church will last. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
That word prevail, it derives from the Greek word kataskuo, which means overpower. So Jesus said when you got a church that's built on him, there's nothing, there's nobody that can overpower that church. I believe that Jesus is the rock of the church. Not Mohammed, not Confucius, not Buddha, but Jesus. I'm often in discussion with people of other religions. And I come across, for example, Buddhists who love to tell me that we're still serving the same God. I was in conversation with one Buddhist, and I told that Buddhist that Buddha cannot help him because Buddha is dead. Are y'all listening to me? I've been in conversations with also Buddhist females, especially in my travels, and I've shared with them the same message. Buddha cannot help them because Buddha is dead. Buddha died at the age of about 80. That was about 400 or 600, somewhere between 400 to 600 years before Jesus was born. And when he died, there is no record of him resurrecting. Can I teach preaching here? But if you study about Mary's baby, if you study about that child born in Bethlehem, if you study about that one who died on Calvary and was buried in a borrowed tomb, you will see, yes, he died, but three days later, he got up again. And when he got up, he got up with all power. And it was given unto him in heaven and in earth. You know something that always caught my attention and it just solidifies my belief in the resurrection of Christ is when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 6 and it tells me that over 500 people saw him at one time. Now, if, if I had to depend on one person here, one person there, I might say that they're incorrect. But 500 people seeing Christ resurrected, the resurrected Christ at one time, that's not an optical illusion. For 500 people, a crowd of over 500 people to see the resurrected Christ, that's evidence for me. Is that evidence for you? Show it by giving God some praise. Fact of the matter, I need you to help me proclaim the gospel here, at least a portion of it. Look at your neighbor right now and say, Jesus resurrected. If, if, if you believe it, go ahead. Give him some more praise. Praise him for the resurrection. Hear this as, I'm a, as I am approaching the conclusion. Uh, because Jesus is the rock, Satan cannot rock the church. 
Oh, my, I don't think y'all heard that. Because Jesus is the rock, Satan cannot rock the church. Remember, Jesus did say that the gates of hell <laughs> shall not prevail against it. Satan is destructive, but he cannot touch God's church. Let me illustrate. A woman told a story how she was once awakened by a very strange noise of pecking. When she got up, she saw a butterfly flying back and forth inside the window pane. But the butterfly was afraid because outside there was a sparrow that was pecking and trying to get in to get to the butterfly. The butterfly, which was afraid, could not see the glass that was between it and the sparrow. So the butterfly was afraid because the butterfly just knew the sparrow was going to get it. The sparrow did not see the glass expecting to catch the butterfly. So what neither the butterfly nor the sparrow realized was that the butterfly was safe because the glass between the butterfly and the sparrow. I think you see where I'm going. This is the way it is with the church. Satan cannot touch the church because Jesus stands between the church and the devil. M.C. Hammer was on to something when he said, you can't touch this. In the book of Job, God told Satan, you can touch everything he has, but don't you touch his soul. In other words, when it came to soul, God basically told Satan, you can't touch this. Since the devil is already defeated, we need to remind him, you can't touch this. You have these encounters with Satan, you ought to tell that devil, you can't touch my soul. You can't touch my mind. You can't touch my body. You can't touch my health. You can't touch my family. You can't touch my loved ones. You can't touch my finances. You can't touch my home. You can't touch my employment. You can't touch my reputation. You can't touch my character. I need somebody to echo right now to say, you can't touch this. Tell that devil. You know, when the devil talk, sometimes we need to talk back and put them in check. Tell that devil you can't touch this because my soul is anchored in the Lord. Y'all don't hear what I'm trying to say. When your soul is anchored in the Lord, the devil can't blow you to and fro. I praise God that my soul is anchored in the Lord. I can relate to that song. I feel like I can hear it right now. 
though the storms keep on raging in my life. Anybody know about that? And sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day. Still that hope that lies within is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore. I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared. But if the storms don't cease, and if the winds keep on blowing in my life, it is my soul has been anchored in the Lord. And I like this rhyme when it says, though the billows may roll, the breakers may dash, but I shall not sway because he holds me fast. So dark the day, clouds in the sky. I know it's all right. Because Jesus is nigh, I shall not sway because he holds me. Through sickness and pain, sunshine and rain, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. Come on and praise him on that one. Oh, before I stop, I need to just ask, is there anybody else in here? You've made it this far because your soul is anchored in the Lord. You have endured some tough times. You have made it through some trials and tribulations. You have made it through the heat of the battle because your soul is anchored in the Lord. One thing I know, and I don't know it all, but one thing I do know, my soul is anchored in the Lord. A talk with Jesus, part six, next week. And Father, we thank you for the word. We pray for the salvation of the lost. We pray for saved folk who need a church home. Lead, guide, and inspire them. We pray, Father, for people that's present in person as well as viewing through live streaming or listening by way of the podcast. Pray that you bless all of us accordingly abundantly and amazingly. Lord, as we're about to bring our tithes and offerings, we pray that you bless us in that experience to the extent that you'll open up the windows of heaven for our blessings upon us, that there will not be room enough to receive it. But most importantly, pray that they be acceptable to thee. Father, in our departure, let your spirit continue to rest, rule, and abide with us all henceforth and forevermore. And we say, man, eyes are still closed. If you're here and you are not saved, here and you are saved but need a church home, utilize one of those forms. It's right before you, behind that pew that you're sitting on. Fill it out, 
Afterwards, you can put it in the offering basket. You can give it to an usher or to an individual at the front desk. Eyes are now open. If you're blessed, I know this was not one of those revival sermons, but it's a teaching. If you're blessed with the teaching of the word, go ahead and give God some praise. Amen. Very quickly, regarding our protocol, be mindful that we want to keep our surroundings clean, continue to adhere to everything that we've been discussing, such as the social distancing, wearing the mask, occupying the restrooms in a limited fashion. Amen. And then when we leave here, we don't want to be congregating. Let's see if you're aware of what's happening here. Today at 2 o'clock, what's going on? Church school. All right. Church school is at 2 o'clock today as well as Wednesday at 7. Um, on Mondays, we have the grocery giveaway preparation, and then on Tuesday at noon, we actually distribute them. On uh, Wednesday at noon, shout out what's happening. All right. Wednesday at 6.30, shout out what's happening. I only have about three people. <laughs> All right. All right. Wednesday at 7. Shout out what's happening. Church school. Okay, more of y'all. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Hear this. Today is also we're celebrating church anniversary. If you want to give generously, ask anybody to give a dollar per year. I have my offering. Dollar per year. That would be $70 or more. Those, those of you who cannot do that, do what you can. But our building project is still very much alive. It's current. We're, being, we're very close now to getting that building permit. Okay, so, um, so you've been very supportive. Let's not stop now. I have stated that our total tithes and offerings are about 80% of where they were before the pandemic, which means we're not in the red, but we need to still do better, okay? So I'm asking everybody, let's do our part. I'm not going to be standing up here begging you and um, stressing you out over money. I think we, after 27 years of teaching us in the word how to give, amen, I shouldn't have to do that. Amen, everybody? All right, but we're going to give very well, all right? Okay, we have a high, uh, someone speaking about, yes, yes, praise God. Good afternoon. First, giving honor to God, my pastor, Dr. Kevin B. Hall, and to you all, my St. John's family. I stand before you this morning to briefly share with you all some reasons why St. John Missionary Baptist Church is important to me and reasons why I'm grateful to call this place my church home. St. John is where I was able to first confess with my mouth that God is my Lord and Savior. St. John has always provided me with the space to show my love and my honor to our God. St. John has also been a place where I can participate and serve the Lord in his house. Growing up in this church for over 25 years, I have been able to and have enjoyed serving different ministries here. Having the chance to learn, to add to, and experience this church in the different capacities has strengthened my desire to serve the Lord not only in this house, but beyond these doors. As a young adult in this world, it is extremely difficult to find places like this, especially in the world's climate today. This church also resonates with me as my community. I've always felt supported, encouraged, and welcomed here at St. John. I have built lifelong relationships with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and for that, I am eternally grateful. 
Also, having a place I know I can turn to receive a Bible-filled word from our pastor in addition to a relating set of applicable knowledge is definitely a blessing in my life. I stand here to proudly to say St. John has definitely played a part in my village to help mold me into the person I continue to grow into today. The significance of St. John to me is my past, present, and God be willing, the future. Thank you. Amen. Oh, okay. Darren, hold up a second, though. You know what? This was so nice. I mean, how old are you now? 27. 27. Yeah. 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 27. The reason why I'm saying that because he was an infant when I came to this church. I don't think you were, you were already born, right? No, you weren't even born. Okay. Oh, my. My, 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 my. August, let's see, I began August in, 20, in 1994. All right, but anyway, look, look at, look at, look, now you're making me look old, but anyway. <laughs> but no, he's, but y'all listen to how intelligently he spoke. Good job, young man, good job. Good job, good job. I need to also add on next Sunday, Rain or sunshine. I want to commend y'all. Y'all, some of y'all here anyway. And I'm not picking on the ones who's not here. Um, there was one older deacon. I just talked with him yesterday. I told him. I said, if it's storming, don't worry about it. Amen. I, but I'm, not, I'm just saying. I understand some people. They just the weather was just too much for them, and I do understand. Okay. That's why we're doing the live streaming right now for people when it's inconvenient. But if Regardless of whether it's rain or sunshine on next week, if God be willing, next Sunday we want to have a brief uh, memorial period. You know, during that pandemic when we were sh the doors were closed for about those 15 months, there were some people who passed, members of our church, and some of us might not even be aware of that. So what we're going to do is uh, reach back um, from the beginning of the pandemic to the present. And we'll have a brief memorial period. We'll probably, at least here, we can try to get the photos on the screen. And they, and I'm not trying to say it'll be sad. It'll be at the end. All right, I'm not, so I don't want y'all to stay away thinking we're going to have a, a funeral next Sunday, okay? All right, but a brief memorial period. And I think this will be a wonderful thing, acknowledging some of our people who have moved from earth to glory. And we want to do that to close out our church anniversary. Come on, put some hands together on that. Okay, now hear this. I cannot blow it because this is something I really wanted to do. I wanted us to get back on track on being out of here in an hour and 15 minutes. And right now it's an hour and 12 minutes. So let's move so Pastor Hart can go home and be happy. All right. <laughs> Bless you. Pastor going to lead the way. Here's my church anniversary offering. Okay. Pastor Hart loves you. All right. I hope that you have been blessed by the word that went forth today. And listen, without your support, we can't do what we're doing here. And so let me tell you a little bit about tithes and offering. And it's here in this scripture, Malachi 3, 8, and 9. And it says, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offering? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Now let me take it a step further. And it says in verse 10, 
Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's what the word says. So we encourage you to continue giving to St. John. Now listen, there's various ways that you can give. One, you can give in person during our worship celebrations. Two, you can mail or drop off at the South Campus or our, our administration building. Three, you can give online. Now listen, you can find more information about where those locations are by visiting our website. Um, in the meantime, we thank you for joining us today. We hope that you were blessed and we hope that you will have a blessed week in the Lord.